curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by fellow Promo Kitchen chef and current member of the Promotional Products Association International Board of Directors, Larry Cohen. While he's busy with all of that philanthropy, Larry is also Chief Executive Officer of Axis Promotions, an award-winning marketing agency focused on brand development in the promotional products marketplace. If you've not yet had the chance, I would strongly suggest taking a visit to their website at www.axispromo.com to get a glimpse of their work. Larry is also the king of understatement, and self-promotion doesn't appear to be in his DNA, even though he's influenced countless people, myself included, across a number of industries. So Larry, in thanking you for joining me today, I wonder if there was anything in that introduction you wish I would have said or not said. No, just keep going. Uh, <laughs> and then I can send it to my mom. She'll be so proud. Um, no, that was great. Thank you for that kind introduction. And I'm looking forward to doing this. You're, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny when you people say stuff about you that make you blush, um, but it's, it's nice to hear. It's always gratifying to know that other people look up to you, and I promise you I am one of those people. So uh, let's talk today. We have a very specific topic that we wanted to cover, which is culture. And, you know, culture is one of those topics. It's kind of like organic. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So before we get into the Q&A part of this, let me just kind of cue up what my particular view of the word of culture is so that we can frame the conversation. So culture to me is what shapes the way an organization behaves, both within the company, you know, like how employees might treat one another, as well as outside the company when members of the team are interacting with people in the marketplace. Is that, are you comfortable with that description, Larry? I think that's a, I think it's a great description because, uh, you know, we view culture probably like the way you described it as it, it's everything that touches every element of 
your life. And in, in many cases, it's, you know, who you are because, you know, while I run a business, I also have a family and I have a, and I'm my own individual person and, you know, everybody should have, you know, their own brand that they're trying to build and, and try to, you know, project to the world, you know, who they really are. So. Perfect. Good. So I'm glad, I'm glad we're there. So with that in mind, let's jump in. So Access Promotions has a tagline that reads 180 degrees from ordinary. So do me a favor and talk about how that tagline came to be and how it's reflected in the behaviors of the people working for Axis. Um, you know, interesting, you know, and I'll keep the story short about how the name came to be is that um, we, uh, when the company started out, we were not necessarily a promotional products company, but we were um, doing some work overseas and shipping stuff around the world. And we were trying to think of something that connotated the word, that connotated global. And, you know, Axis was one of those um, things. And, um, it, uh, it was Access Enterprises at the time. And, and someone said to us, you know, do you think about the Axis powers in, 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 in Europe during World War II? And I said, no, not really. We were trying to think of something global. Um, and he goes, well, interesting choice of words. And, um, but as we started to get into the business and as I started to move more into the marketing and promotional space, um, it, became apparent to me very early on that this space was either going to be defined as just as products and, you know, what do you got and what product is it? And a lot of people in our industry and Roger, you can attest to just want to talk about product and they want to send a, either want to send a catalog or, and we started off asking questions, you know, themes, target audiences, demographics, and people would say to us, why are you asking these questions? You're just the giveaway. Right. Um, which made me want to even go deeper into that area. So when we were trying to come up with some ideas about, you know, how we could make our name more relevant and come up with a great tagline, we went back to the roots of kind of the global thing and, and kind of delved into and took off from there. And we just knew we just didn't want to do what everybody else was doing. So thus the ordinary part, and we wanted to be the opposite of that. And, you know, as we came up with it, it just seemed to be one of those things that not just resonated as a as a you know good tagline, but also really defined um, what we were really trying to do. We were really trying to not be what everybody else was doing, um, and that was 25 years ago. And I will say that 25 years later, we are really still true to that tagline: is that we are every day trying to push ourselves and try to push our clients to not kind of fall back on just the tried and true, but to really try to make a name for themselves and use promotional products to really build their brand. And as you know, from being in the industry for a long time, and um, we've been doing a long time is that sometimes the promotional product may be the one single thing that lasts the longest. So if you're going to give something away, why not try to give something away that's going to resonate with the person and, and tie into your tagline and the message and all of those things? And for some reason, when we got into the business, and it still kind of exists today, people weren't viewing promotional products as one piece in a, in a continuum of advertising media. It was something that was separate and apart. So you could plan your trade show and plan your events and plan all of these things for months and months and months. And then 
we just need something with our name on it. And we work really hard, like a lot of people in the industry are working really hard, um, and the board and PPAI are working really hard to try to get people to stop talking about it just as a product, but recognize it really for the value that it could bring to the client. So That's awesome. And I, 25 years ago, right? So I'm a native Detroiter. 25 years ago, right in that arena was sort of when the North American Free Trade Agreement was just really starting to, to uh, come to fruition. And the notion of a global economy was not nearly as prevalent as the condensed supply chain that we see today from China to America. So, you know, as, as is the case often in what you do, Larry, it's interesting to hear that you were trying to take a global look at things even as long as 25 years ago and how that has come to fruition even more so in economy today. You know, I, I, I look a lot smarter looking back than I probably felt back then. <laughs> so, uh, but it's true. And it's, you know, and it's, it's a, you know, it's a testament to, you know, I, I, I kind of believe that people, you know, make your own luck. Um, I mean, I do think that there are times in life where, you know, everything kind of comes together and you, you find the thing that is right for you. Um, and the, the, the opportunity to work with clients and try to show them how they can do something that they've known about for ever and how to use it differently when we do that and you see the light bulb go off and they go, oh, yeah, that, that really does make sense. I mean, that's where the gratification comes from. It's, it's not just from selling a product and making money by selling the products. It's actually when you get to move the needle and show clients and, and raise awareness, um, that part is, is really exciting and very gratifying. In some ways, I liken it to almost like having a hit record on the radio. It's that same kind of gratification in my mind. So let's let's talk about the evolution of Axis's culture. So uh, you clearly have grown in size over the years, and I'm wondering if the the culture within the organization as it's grown, if it's still a reflection of the leadership group, or was there a moment in the uh, timeline of Axis in its growth pattern where maybe the employees took over shepherding the notion of being 180 degrees from ordinary, and if they did. Was there a watershed moment that you could remember that really kind of represented that transition? Um, you know, I, I still play a, a pretty significant role in the organization. And um, we are, and I hate to say it, I, I think we, you know, sometimes, you know, proverbially torture people through the interview process because um, we're not just hiring, you know, more bodies to be in the seats and answer phones and, and do stuff like that. We, because of the way we approach the business and because we need people who can talk the talk and understand the vision that we've had, um, we're really careful about how we hire um, because we want people that, you know, will buy into what we are trying to do because the easiest thing to do is send someone a catalog or send them to a website or any of that stuff. Um, but we kind of feel like that's ad, that's abdicating our role as an advisor um, to them. So I think we have done um, a really good job of you know, having the culture and the vision kind of filter through a lot of things that we do. And we have a really strong leadership team um, that have been here for a long time. And one of the keys to Axis's success is we have not lost many people. Um, you know, we have people here who, 
you know, we're the third employee and people have been 15, 20 years have been here that long. They're some of our top salespeople. They still live and breathe the same vision that we had way back when. Um, and they kind of push it out through the rest of the organization. We have multiple offices now. Um, and we work really hard at it. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, you just asked is, you know, am I the one still pushing it? Um, you know, I'm still the one of the leaders of that because it's so important to me um, for a couple of reasons. One is I always said that, you know, I always want to go to a place and work at a place where I enjoyed going. And so that's important to me. So I have to make sure that I help influence what that culture is. But interestingly enough, um, there are so many people who've taken the baton within the company and really run with the whole culture thing. So, you know, I'm hoping I'm not going to ruin any of your future questions, but you know, <laughs> one of the things that, you know, we have now is we have a culture committee, um, that has their own budget. I, I know nothing of the workings of the culture committee. I didn't, I didn't ask for it to be formed. I didn't assign people to it. It, created itself organically and they meet on a regular basis and they, their whole impetus is surprise and delight. And how do we build a culture and how do we keep hold all the offices together? Um, you know, whether it's a Cinco de Mayo party that's happening in everybody's in every office, you know, at the same time to charitable initiatives, to things that just show up on your desk. Um, you know, one of the things that you know, just happened recently is one of the things that we have done for clients and it's been really popular is we start off doing it with Zappos and it's kind of grown out from there because everyone sees it at the Zappos headquarters is we have license plates for every person in the office that uh, has a bunch of our kind of mission statements on it um, with the person's name and then the year that they started. And so they're at everybody's desk. So when a new person gets hired, not only do they see who the person is, but they can also see how long they've been here. So if they've been here a long time, those are the people that can become your resources for, tell me more about how you got started at Access. I have a, I'm having an issue. So it's become a way for us to keep you know, our mission statement and our vision in front of people on a regular basis, but also to help people get recognized for their years of service um, here. So they, uh, they recently, you know, updated that. And, and some of the things on a license plate, you know, which again, um, in, in addition to, you know, be 180 from ordinary is like, you know, work with each other, not for each other, um, celebrate each other and our successes, you know, view every opportunity as a privilege, strive. It's that simple. Um, and then creativity is our DNA. So you can see that, you know, it's, it's not plashed around the office on posters and things like that because it's not really our style, but people do see it in their license plate and they see it in front of their desk every day. Well, yeah. So yeah, you did kind of steal a couple of the questions, but that's okay. Cause that's ultimately you already said what I might've asked you, which is perfect and great. So uh, Larry, uh, you know, I'm a big, I love sports. I love professional sports, especially not so much for the competitive aspect. Uh, I actually like college sports more for the competition. But as a study in organizational behavior, I think pro sports franchises are some of the most fascinating case studies that you'll ever see. And the NFL, and we, we know what's going on in the NFL right now with the player protests. And really, from a cultural perspective, what you're seeing kind of play out right before our very eyes is 
how each of the organizations are having to deal culturally with player dissatisfaction or you know, a, an outward display of something that may not have necessarily anything to do with the field of play, but yet still has a lot to do with organizational, organizational behavior and culture. And so, you know, as I'm listening to you share with me some of the outward displays of how your culture is reflected within the four walls of, of access, I mean, first and foremost, if I'm a, a potential client coming to uh, your office there for a site visit, I would probably be struck right away by the fact that as I'm walking by the offices and seeing these, you know, whether I like a license plate as somebody's name badge or not, the fact that I can see that many of your employees are just ridiculously tenured people, that would speak to me as a prospect as to the stability and the, and the long-term vision of the organization and would probably inspire some confidence in me. And so similarity in when you look at sports franchises, like I just read a statistic not too long ago that says some disproportionate number of the Super Bowls, which I think now there's what, 51 of them coming up, have been won by five franchises. And to me, that really speaks to the culture that each of those franchises have been able to establish. And I think in many ways, what you're saying is a, is a similar reflection of the fact that many times your, your employees or your prospective employees, yes, they're interested in what the pay will be. And yes, they're certainly interested in what the benefit package will be. But I think as we age, and I know I'm certainly an example of this, you know, Will I sacrifice a few dollars in my pay to to feel like I have a better fit? You better believe I will. So if I can come in during the interview process and, and be witness to a very outward display of a winning culture, that, that immediately moves that potential employer to the top, you know, the short list of places that I might potentially want to want to uh, join. And in a lot of ways, like it's the locker room, it's it's the bullpen that will often dictate whether or not the organization really is a reflection of the culture that's been set for the top or not. So, you know, everything that you said there is just an absolute reflection of that. And I'm sure over the years, you know, you've watched that evolution occur as you've found a, a committee that is completely identifying with this topic and are doing like things like throwing Cinco de Mario parties that next next May, I'm going to make sure I make my way over to the Chicago office and hang out and drink some tequila. <laughs> uh, which is perfect. And, you know, the other side of it is, and, you know, there's, you know, there's our internal team, but, you know, the, the important thing about most of this and most importantly is, you know, each one of these people are empowered with the Axis brand and they are our, are representatives to the outside world. Every time they send a presentation or they talk to a client or do any of that stuff, um, they are representing who we are. And, you know, so as smart as I am and as, you know, maybe visionary at some point or whatever you want to say about it, it's they are the people who are doing the work day to day. They are the reason that people write us notes. I saw one that came in today and you know, somebody asked us to do something impossible and the, and the guy got it done. And the client wrote the note saying like, would it be weird if it said, if I said, I loved you, <laughs> so, you know, just like things like that, you know, that, you know, they're doing it. And so they have to buy into the vision also. And you're right. Like this, 
you know, and I'm a huge fan. I'm a, I'm a big fan of this generation because I think that anybody who wants to know how they fit into the bigger picture is is potentially a massive force within Axis. I'll answer their questions any day about, you know, why are we doing it this way or why are we doing it that way? They can help make us better. You know, this whole concept of mentoring up. I can learn a lot from the new employees we have and I can share things with them. So, you know, that becomes kind of a, a two-way street. Um, another thing that we've done as a, as a company, and it's a, probably a little bit about my management style, um, is... Um, we have formed a, um, for lack of a better term, like a president's advisory council. And it's um, people at various you know, levels within the organization, aside from the senior team and, and, the, you know, um, and from accounting and everybody else. And they meet um, every couple of weeks and they get to pick a topic that's a burning topic to you know, kind of the next generation of people that they get to talk about it, come up with some, you know, come up with some issues, try to come up with a solution. And then when they're ready, they come out and they present their solution to, um, you know, me and, and Shamini, who's our, our COO and, and others. And again, we're empowering people to, to help decide how access is going to be run and how things are going to get done. And, you know, like I, I've learned over the years, and this was a tough lesson. When we built our offices in New York, I'm the only senior person without a door um, because I, I kind of felt like the door represents, you know, a barrier and all this other stuff. Well, as it turns out, just having the title president or CEO is a barrier enough. Sure. And, you know, you, you say, you can always talk to me, you can always tell me the truth. And the reality is, is like, it's intimidating for a lot of people, even though I don't think I'm very intimidating, <laughs> um, they feel intimidated. So by having this middle management group and the future leaders of Axis kind of meeting earlier on in their careers and realizing that they can have a voice, um, again, you know, we are showing them that the culture statements are something that we really believe in and want to live by now. Um, and so it has been really an amazing uh, thing. We didn't know how it was going to work out and whether it was just going to be a, you know, proverbial bitch session. Um, but they have come back with like great ideas, great solutions. You know, one of the things was, is like, we'd like a clarification on like different pathways within, you know, how I can grow within the company. Now, as a senior person, I thought it was pretty clear. You know what? They showed me it wasn't clear. So, you know, by being open to listening, we are improving it not only just for them, but for the next group of people that are going to, you know, come in and we rotate it. So I think it's every, uh, it's either every eight weeks or every 12 weeks, a completely new group um, comes in. One person stays on for a couple of weeks just to so there's some continuity. The next group comes in and they get to pick their own topics. It's not like we say, solve this. You know, if they ask us, we can give them some suggestions. But it's really about giving them a voice um, within the company. And, um, you know, I will tell you, and, you know, this, it's not always been, you know, so rosy. And like, you know, as a, as a leader, you know, I realize that I'm very good at certain things. I'm not great at others. Um, and even things I think I'm good at, you know, there are still things that I work at all the time. And one of those things is, you know, it, it sounds cliche at this point, but it's communication. And, you know, as much as you think you communicate, 
you probably need to do it twice as much as you think. And we've become very um, good at communicating things and, you know, oftentimes communicating things that you may hesitate to do, like maybe I would have hesitated five years ago to do it just because I didn't want to have to deal with the blowback. But what you realize is you're going to get the blowback anyway at some point and by addressing it head on, then you can actually modify or explain and deal with it head on as opposed to it having kind of like, you know, kind of seething beneath the surface and then blowing up um, at some meeting. Um, and give me one more minute, I'll tell you a funny story. So um, probably five or six years ago, the, you know, we were, you know, our business was up, everything was doing great, yet you just sensed there was something off in the office. And there was, you know, complaining about a few things, like some things and also, so I called everybody together in all the offices and I, and we said, everyone come prepared with whatever's on your mind. And we closed the doors and we said, we've got like, whatever the amount of time was, it was a lot. I said, now we're going to, we're going to have this bitch session and you can, you can say anything you want to say without any repercussions. And my, the only thing I ask is, is like, if there's a problem, I want you to be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was really incredibly eye-opening. And the first thing that came up was, it sucks when we run out of coffee in the kitchen. <laughs> why, why won't you spend more money on coffee? <laughs> Something so simple. Well, and, and, you know, the irony was, is like had nothing to do with money. Right. It just had to do with it. I'd asked somebody to do some research on like different coffee companies and do we want to spend money on coffee? Do you want to spend more money on beer in the refrigerator? You know, and, and they got into this, you know, kind of quicksand because people say like, well, I don't drink coffee. I'd rather have a iced coffee maker. I'd rather have a tea thing. And like, and they kind of got caught in that. And so they got caught up in it. It fell off of my to-do list and it didn't get done. And, you know, and it was like, he said it and people were like, yeah, why are you being so cheap? <laughs> and okay. You know, we're, we'll, we'll be close to a, you know, a $50 million company this year. We were talking about like three or $4,000. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do, had zero to do with money. Right. But that was the perception. Yeah. And, you know, and other things came up and we came up with a long list of things and we literally started going down the list and, you know, one of the things I said after the meeting, I said, look, here's the deal. You all have a voice and you can all come into my office and tell me these things whenever you want to do this stuff. But if you're going to be the person that tries to bring everybody down and just wants to whine and complain and do things like that, I'm going to fire you. Right. Like, I don't care how good you are, anything else. It's like, we have a company here. We live together more with the with all of us than you do with your best friend, your spouse, and your significant others. And we need to build a place where people are happy to come to work with. And if you're not going to be one of those people, I'm going to let you go. And as painful as that may be from a sales perspective or whatever it is, I can't build a company with that here. And the amount of emails I got back going like, that was the best email you have ever sent. Nice. Because it, you know, cause they get beaten down too, right? Sure. Like we've all been there, right? Like as, as good as we all want to be, we all get sucked into those kind of conversations of course. just because, and it just kind of quieted everything down. I think people felt, you know, much more open, but that kind of led to some of the things that we've been talking about before this, which is trying to have better communication, we communicate early and often, you know, having, you know, engaging people at a younger, at, a, at an earlier stage, 
um, and empowering people. And I think that's um, the way we kind of run the business. And, you know, we make, you know, I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Um, there's no ramifications for making mistakes here. You're expected to try to push the envelope and make a mistake and learn from it, you know, and then we'll move on. You know, it's like, you know, one of the things in part of my personality at least is I'm not a backwards looking person. If we lose money on, on an order, we lost money. I I can't like dwell on that. I need to dwell on all the positive things that we have looking forward. And I think that's what part of what we're trying to make people feel like, you know, go do your job, do your job. Well, take time to think, um, you know, we've even had to institute a mandatory vacation policy, mandatory vacation, uh, mandatory vacation, because what we, again, some of the things you heard back is, is like, you know, going on vacation can be really painful because you come back to all this work and, you know, people are calling me on my vacation and all this other stuff. So it's, I just rather not go. Right. And we're like, no, no, no. Like we need to change those things. So if you're telling me your boss is calling you when you're on vacation, short of it being emergency, that's an HR issue. And we're going to, we're going to deal with that. And you need to put your out of office saying you're not checking your email. Now that doesn't mean you can't check your email. It just means that people should, there should not be an expectation. And so again, we did some training, right? Like it's your vacation. It is your time. I'm not paying you to work longer and not take vacation. I want you to go off and take vacation. And if you choose to turn off your phone and not check your email, that is perfectly fine. And you put your out of office in, you tell them where they can reach out to people on your team and you're covered and don't let your, you know, don't let the guilt ruin your vacation. And, you know, and we've, so again, like, you know, there's lots of things you learn, but when people go like, I don't want to take a vacation because it's too difficult. That's a problem, right? Cause you get burnt out. I get burnt out. Everybody needs time away from here. Yeah. They got to um, be re-energized for sure. Yeah, totally. You know, it's interesting. So I've worked for a number of different companies in my career, probably more than I care to admit. And I've worked for big companies. I've worked for small companies and the, the consistent refrain that I've always seen when it comes to culture is if I ever hear someone within the organization say, you know what, this is just a job to me. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to work the hours that are asked of me and then I'm going to leave. That has always been the harbinger of disaster to me. And really what that says to me is that person reached a fork in the road where they expressed their desire to help either their job, their boss, their company, something within what they do in a day in and day out basis to be better. And after a period of time of not being heard, people will stop trying. And the worst part of that is all of the lost improvement, all of the lost productivity gains, all of what could make the organization be better is lost when that in that moment when and really to me, like the best adjective that I can describe for that is that it's soul crushing. And if you walk into a bullpen of people who have had their souls crushed, I can promise you it's not a very fun place to be. So I'm sure that there'll be people that will be listening to this that will measure what they've heard from you, Larry, in comparison to what their own corporate cultures are. And I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't get a flood of applications of people who might want to make a change. So, so you know, and, and it really... It's one thing to talk about culture, but when you can point to specific things 
within the organization that are a direct reflection of the fact that it's important to the people who are running the business. That's really all the difference in the world. And you've done a magnificent job of describing that to us. So let me ask you one last question. And I know the answer already, but let's think about the way we might frame this. So in my mind, it is an employee uh, hiring market right now. There's lots of people who need employees and there maybe aren't necessarily as many employees to do the work than folks are looking for. So how do you perceive culture to be a competitive advantage? Um, <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you through an example, then I'll go a little more in depth. Um, when we redid our website a couple years ago, um, we put up, you know, there's the culture side of the page and it shows the charitable things we do and the runs and all the things that, that happen organically around here. And we have multiple pictures of each person. Some of them are like just fun, goofy pictures of, they kind of define their personalities. And then we have, um, you know, questions that people can answer. And it could be you know, everything from what's your dream trip to favorite quotes, just fun things. And, and what we discovered, because you can now kind of track this stuff, you know, when people go to your website, what we discovered was is they, potential clients and existing clients, spend multiples of time on the culture page than they do any other place on the website. And so what we deduced from that, and, you know, it is that they, your culture page defines who you really are, right? Because, you know, the, any company that somebody forms or you could set up a website today and you could say the greatest things about yourself. We are the best in the world. We are the greatest at what we do. All of those superlatives mean nothing without kind of the proof behind in the pudding. And the proof is one, I think we do amazingly creative projects and, you know, all the ideas that we come up with. But from a culture perspective, it's what are, what are the people, t how are they representing your company when they're not really working, right? So when we're running the J.P. Morgan Chase run or when we, every year we adopt two classes in this very low income area in New York and we, you know, we buy Christmas gifts for them um, and access, you know, Buys a, buys a big chunk of it, and but everybody donates money, and then we have wrapping parties and all this other stuff, and then a bunch of people get dressed up as elves, and huh. uh, Joe and Office gets dressed up as Santa, and goes down there, and these are kids who get literally nothing, and you know they're in tears, sure. and you know so it's things like that that when people go and they say what is Access all about, they're going to our culture page to figure out. What, is it, what are these guys all about? Because that's really truly who you are. It's not what you say about yourself because, you know, you, you should always say nice things about <laughs> yourself. Um, but it's, you know, it's as much about, you know, the things that define you. So, you know, it is an, it is an advantage. And again, you know, I, like you just said before, do not think money is the number one factor. I think it's probably somewhere between three and five on the list of things that are important. Um, Culture is really huge. You know, we get asked about it during, you know, when we are interviewing, we are being interviewed um, and we are being asked about those things. You know, we get calls about how can we make a difference, you know, in, in, in work. And so, you know, part of everything that we do is, is like, you know, we are always looking for ways 
to empower people here to feel more um, sense of ownership of you know of access and 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 we talk about it a lot like this is your place of work you can have an impact here my office is open we have um, you know a COO Shamani who we made COO um, a couple I guess it was like six or seven months ago um, I wish I'd done it five years ago because it's completely changed you know my life and I think the, the people's lives here at Axis because you know between the two of us and others on the senior committee just things are just getting done so much faster because they're not getting bogged down on my desk but people really feel like they can have an impact and I think you know that is um, a really important thing when they're going through the job interview process, they meet as many people who would be their peers as they do, you know, meeting me and, you know, I'm usually the last one, but they'll meet with Drew who's in, uh, runs our HR and then they'll meet with, you know, other people that are at various levels so they can actually get a sense of what is the job really like. Um, I don't want to hire somebody who doesn't completely understand what the job is all about. Um, at least, you know, to as much to the extent you can do that um, during it, during the interview process. Um, and we give them the good, the bad, the ugly. There's a lot more good, but, you know, works work, right? Some days it's great. Some days it sucks. Right. Uh, but, you know, all in all, is it is this a place that you can get up in the morning and go, you know, I, I, I enjoy going to work there most days. Yeah. So, and if, if that's the case, then, it, then that's a big win. For sure. Well, I certainly hope that the ladies and gentlemen that will have a listen to this will, uh, you know, do do a little bit of uh, compare and contrast with their existing situations. And for those owner operators that have the opportunity to have an impact on both their employees and really the culture of their own internal organizations, I think this could be a real eye opener for someone who may or may not have given consideration to the degree of importance that culture plays when uh, you're considering who works for you on a day in and day out basis. So I really appreciate your time today. You gave a wealth of great information and I'm sure that we'll get just a ton of tremendous feedback from your input. So thank you very much. Thanks, Roger. You did a great job. Thanks, man. Till next time. Great.